We are here. This is Mark and Sarah of The Determined. We're here today with Tito and Matthew of The Impossible Labs. Um, we wanted to do a little interview today, um, just give an idea of why climate change is a huge financial opportunity. And to open it up, I wanted to uh, relay a story that I was uh, reminiscing with Tito about uh, the scene in Fight Club where Tyler Durden goes and steals the fat from the liposuction center and turns it into soap to sell back to the rich ladies. And it just um, came to mind when we were talking about this whole idea of carbon tech and the idea of taking the waste that humans have produced and you know greenhouse gases emissions into the air sucking that back out of the air and turning it into products that we can then sell to consumers <laughs> <laughs> so with that let's get started and uh welcome tito and matt hey thanks hey. for joining us hi <laughs> hey guys so Tell me a little bit of what comes to mind for you when I'm like, we are fight clubbing climate change. That's the way it's got to be. I, I think that that's the, that's the, that's the approach that's been, that's been missing is the, is the economic business driven approach. Uh, Matthew had a great analogy yesterday. He's sort of like uh, the, the, imagine that the, the, the world where climate change is, is solved and everything is going great is this empty room. And in the room next to it is this, this room that's freaking packed with people. And it's, people are like gloomy and their, their shoulders are sagging and they're staring at the ground. And the room is so packed, you can't, even, you can't even make your way through that room. You're trying to get to this doorway to get to this, to this you know, climate Disneyland on the other side. And you can't because there's just all this doom and gloom in the way. And, and what we found is, we found there's another doorway uh, into that climate Disneyland. And you don't have to go through the doom and gloom room. You go through the economic room. You go and you say, hey, 400 parts per million of carbon dioxide, that is free material that no one owns. And then we're going to, we're going to mine it and we're going to make use of it. And, and that's how we're going to, uh, that's how we're going to, to achieve this climate solution. Mm -hmm. Brilliant. Mm -hmm. So that's how we kind of came up with the name Air Miners. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, Air Miners is, uh, that's our, our website. That's an index of every company and project that's pulling carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. Uh, and, and we went through a, a long time of, of trying to figure out a, a name for this, this project because we wanted to encapsulate this idea of opportunity and optimism around climate in a, in a really a, a, a very vivid, uh, vivid way. And we, we started with names like, you know, carbon index or carbon, uh, carbon bank or all these, you know, carbon words or environmental words. And then we just, we kind of started with a number really. Yeah. We started with a number, it's, right. It we had to make any sense. 300 like, by 2050 was the, was, was the first first name or the name before that was project 2050 the idea of oh we want to get right. this, this carbon goal by 2050 yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> we're a, like a, a quick side note that was uh, actually a, a a contender for the name of our studio 
<laughs> Remember that, Sarah? Yes. It was either the the twenty fifty or the determined. And oh wow! I did a, I did a <laughs> I did a few iterations of what those two names can look like, and I think we just ended up with the better one. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. <laughs> great minds think alike. I love uh, Tito uh, Tito's story about um, telling the name three hundred by twenty fifty to. Um, Shova, his girlfriend, who's from Nepal, and she was like, what, like 20, 25, 250. What was that that project that you're working on? And we were like, it's 300 by 2050. How can you forget it? And we're like, wait a minute. Yeah, remembering someone's phone number. Yeah, yeah, every time she would ask me, she was, she was interested in like, what's going on? And she'd ask me like, oh, how's project 250? And I was like... <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate testament name it's is impossible no remember to remember. Uh, impossible, yeah, it's impossible to remember. <laughs> yeah, right. And with air miners, it's—I mean, air miners is like that. I get out of bed in the morning and I think about air mining. Yeah. Uh, I, I am sitting at the Caltrain and I see uh, this diesel engine going, and I see diamonds coming out of it. And it's, 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 <laughs> it's, it's, it's this viral name that just—it's—it's it's infected my my brain and, and everyone that seems to hear it really images come to mind. People start drawing pictures and they're the same pictures. People are drawing pickaxes and shovels and clouds and air uh, and, and making things out of it. And so it's, it's extremely powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It speaks to just the basic, you know, supply and demand and, and resources that we're mining to create something useful. Just happened to be mining it out of the air. And, and so I remember maybe it was about a week or so after um, we came up with it, Air Miners. I, I came into Mini Labs when it was a space um, in Soma, and I was talking to to you two, Matthew and Tito, and I remember saying, "You guys have a new goal. Your goal in the next ten years is to have an Air Miners table with an Air Miner behind the table at a school like job fair. Mm. You know, like mm -hmm. how do you how do you make kids want to grow up to be an Air Miner?" You know, and I, I, as soon as I thought of that, of that I was like, they, that's their goal. Like, if that's when they know that they succeeded, you know, mm. and I think that there's totally. so much there to that, that, that name of an air miner that it's aspirational. It's a new, it could be a new job. You know, I'm going to school for air mining. You know, there's so much to unpack in all of that. And I feel like it's just, you know, we're at the start, especially because of the, the carbon sequestration stuff. We're at the beginning of this wild frontier that has yet to really be established and i feel like giving it a name of the, calling someone the thing that they are doing uh there's a sense of identity to it there's a sense of um belonging community mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and we um we definitely we think about that a lot we've thought about the um how we'll capitalize it we've debated over if it's air miners one word where the m is capital and the a is capital We've debated what does it mean if you write air minor um, all lowercase or if you make it a proper noun. Um, and th these, this is what we're debating. And it's, um, it's about inclusion and um, just being able to be involved with it. And, and that even goes back to why we even acknowledge that a name was, was necessary. And it took us... Um, we started studying carbon sequestration in, in April of 2017. And 
I guess it was by the end, uh, uh, by, by August, um, so four months later, we, um, we learned about how, about, okay, carbon sequestration, what is that? You need an engineering degree to even understand what that word means. <laughs> I mean, to even use it in a, in, and understand it, you, you, have, you have to, you pretty much need a, a science, a technical degree, which is like, okay, um, if this is such a big, if, if this is so important, if the IPCC uh, is writing about this and saying this is imperative in order to achieve the, um, you know, to, to limit, uh, you know, to, to limit atmospheric greenhouse gas, well, then it needs to be, it needs to be open and accessible. Um, and of course, being in many labs dedicated to open science helped us um, incubate that idea um, and, and so even further, okay, now we're in it and now we find, okay, here's another, here's another factor. Um, uh, carbon capture and sequestration was invented, um, and has been spearheaded over the last 10 years or so by, uh, big oil and big industry and the office of fossil energy in the United States is who's funding, funding a lot of the development and, um, who has funded. Uh, the majority of the development in carbon capture of emissions um, of of what's coming out of their their stack, they're they're saying, okay, we already scrubbed the stack for uh, sulfur dioxide and other toxins um, that have been banned long ago um, because they kill everything, um, and we can simply apply that same technology to scrubbing uh, CO two uh, out of the out of the stack, and it's a drop in solution. Um, it's not very complicated. You use a salt um, to attract the molecules. It's, it's science. Um, so, we, so we found that too. There's a huge facility in Alabama, the National Carbon Capture Center, um, big industrial scale facility where they've been, where they're doing research and development on these technologies um, for the fossil fuel industry. And so we found that and we're like, oh, okay, well, nobody wants to be around that either. Um, so now you need, you need a technical degree. And let's say you made it through. Let's say you don't. You made it through carbon sequestration. Then you find the fossil fuel industry. Like, well, shit, I, <laughs> um, I, I don't want that either. I don't know how to, how to tango with them. So we, <laughs> we're like, okay, we found that. And now by this point, we're talking to other people about it. And we're telling them uh, what it is. And we're saying, yeah, you, there's CO2 and it's in the atmosphere. It's also coming out of smokestacks, and we're um, we're going to capture it in a way that makes economic and financial sense because um, we need jobs, <laughs> and there that's where that's I guess that's that's what we set out to find is we 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 said there's all, all of this excess, there's this free stuff that people are actually willing to to pay us to do something about, and we can turn it into something else that. Um, that we can sell, and and that's how this that's how the system works of the, the industrial production system that we live in. Yeah, it just makes sense. Use the system we have to create yep. the ends that we yep. want. Yeah. So when I talk to other people about this who aren't in the industry, one of the questions that I get a lot is, "Is this basically like science fiction at this point?" Mm -hmm. So how far away are we from this being our reality? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, it is our reality. I mean, to me, it's, it's, uh, it's great to be, to have a, to an engineering background. Matthew's a mechanical engineer. I'm a biomedical engineer by training. 
Um, and we look to build and to make and to create things in this, in this space. And so just recently, we've started to, to, to call up these companies and, and see, what do you have? Can we buy one of your machines to, to pull air from the, uh, can pull carbon from the air? Uh, can, we, can we buy some of your products? Uh, and yeah, Matthew's got conversations going with, with every company out there. And, and they all have systems that are at, at some level of working. It's sort of like it's, it's beyond the lab stage now. Uh, it's, it's, at the, it's at the early engineering stage. People have, it's, it's even beyond kind of the initial prototype stage. Um, there's, there's pilot plants. So for example, Carbon Engineering, uh, which is one of the most well-known uh, air capture companies. They have a one ton a day carbon capture uh, plant in, in uh, Canada, and they are pulling a, a ton of carbon dioxide from the atmosphere every day, and they're transforming it into fuels. And this is a company that was funded by, by Bill Gates. And so uh, they, they just had a, a big paper released in Juul where they were sharing all this, all this data and all, this, uh, all these findings. And so this is something that is, in the, is, is on the bridge from science to, to reality. Uh, they've got this. They've got this pilot project, and uh, and there's six other companies that are at a, um, in some uh, in, in some way, in a, in a development stage of their of their tech. And it's and it's a short bridge. These technologies are also in the lab. We're also because of the lack of of um, commercial entities that are dedicated to using atmospheric carbon dioxide. Uh, we're actually going to universities to look, uh, search through their labs and find where the projects are and apply uh, an entrepreneurship and essentially use the lean, lean startup method to kick those technologies out of the lab. Um, there's a, a term that's used quite often in, in this space, uh, technology readiness level or TRL and um, nine, it goes from one to nine and uh, TRL nine is uh, my understanding is that it's it's sort of like the internal combustion engine. It's it's there. It's it's a, it exists. It's out there. Um, you can get it. Uh, it's it's widely manufactured. A TRL one is like a sketch on a napkin, um, and it hasn't been proven out. It's yet to be proven. So as you move up, it gets more commercially demonstrated, built more widely. You have more hours of use accumulated. Um, and so we're, we're seeing that some of these technologies are, are in the, because of the, um, the effort and the, and the resources that have gone into developing them for a, for a commercial market, they're up in the TRL four or five range. Um, but there are also some technologies that are at the two or three and they're in the lab and they need somebody to reach in and grab them out. And, um, and start to apply commercial expectations to their performance. And that's, um, that's, what, we're, that's what we're doing. Yeah, I think that's what's really exciting about um, being in San Francisco and having lived through, you know, my, my background's in software design and having lived through the whole lean startup revolution or whatever you wanna call it, the movement, um, being able to apply everything that we learned in the last you know, 10, 12 years of doing Lean Startup and Lean UX and putting it towards uh, reversing climate change. It's pretty exciting. And this whole industry that, that you know, may emerge out of that, it feels a little bit like the early days of the tech startups. 
but um, we're creating physical, useful things <laughs> instead of social media networks, basically. Yeah, <laughs> another yeah. Yeah. photo app. <laughs> yeah, there there are new there are new types of networks. You know, we we want them to be social. That's that was our in, original goal for uh, for Air Miners. Um, we when we started building the website uh, airminers.org, we we said that it was a network, and we shopped we we used the use um, user driven development, and we showed our prototype to users of the um, who we thought might use the the website, and and we heard people call it an index or a glossary or a phone book. And, and so we said, okay, I guess we will adjust the, the name um, because we haven't uh, deployed that functionality just, just yet at, at the time. And, um, um, but the intention was let's connect people. And mm-hmm. um, that, that's kind of, that's, that's at the base. Um, yeah. And another small anecdote, um, from from the beginning, I'm from New York and New York City, and uh, moved to San Francisco to, you know, make make a startup that uh, that has Mother Nature as one of its co-founders. Um, and and um, met Tito, started working on Impossible Labs, and realized that part of the mission is is asking questions like, what if all of Twitter's engineers were dedicated to asking questions and deploying data analytics to answering questions about how we are working in partnership with nature or what is our impact on our environment or what's the impact of the decisions that we're making. Same thing goes for Google, Facebook, Oracle, all of these big companies. We ask that question and however we can take what they're doing and mirror it and mimic it and then create our own version of it um, that has this this larger mission. Um, that's that's what we're doing. We're we're um, uh, unashamed and, and we're proud of of doing that. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just yeah. it's it's really exciting. It drives us for sure. Yeah. I think really- that's awesome. Like I I can't figure out why there aren't more people doing that. Yeah, <laughs> that's a that's another episode. <laughs> well, I mean, part of it, and not to go on too much of a tangent, yeah. but I think the 2050 thing is too far for people yeah. to feel mm-hmm. right, right. excited and motivated about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, the, it's just, it's the same people. And that's kind of been mm-hmm. our, some of our other consulting projects. We're uh, doing some work with a large uh, financial institution uh, and, and they refer to it as the choir. Yeah, there's the climate choir. Mm-hmm. And, and now we've got to grow beyond the climate choir. Mm-hmm. The 2050 resonates with that that 350.org resonates with just we need to grow beyond that Mm -hmm. um and and that's that's an incredible opportunity because it means we're going to go from thousands of people to millions and hundreds of millions and billions of people and eventually trillions of people because that's where this whole planet is headed that's where this universe is headed so it's uh it's it's a big move for the climate world and we're we're very excited to be leading the way yeah, Sarah and I, we, we went to see um, Bill McKibben and a few others speak uh, over in Oakland a couple weeks ago, and uh, we were in the audience, and there are a lot of the same types of people in the audience, you know, no, no fault to anyone, it's just something to think about, you know, how do you resonate this particular issue, this, this challenge to, you know, grandmas in Kansas or inner city kids in Brooklyn or, mm-hmm. you know, those that are posting a million selfies a day on Instagram. Like, how do you right. 
how do you resonate um, right. with, uh, others that beyond this, like what Tito said, this, the, the choir. Um, mm -hmm. And so maybe this is a segue into what you guys are doing with, with Impossible Labs and, and the, the, the products you guys are trying to make. Maybe you can tell us a bit more about that to how to reach those types of people. Yeah, certainly. I think that that's, that's a key question mm -hmm. for our, for our work and our, our product development. Mm -hmm. Currently we're working on a, uh, a plan to, to figure it out. And, and one of the artifacts of that that I'm holding here is a, is a planter that's made, uh, well, it's right now it's made from cement, but one of the products that air miners have, have made with carbon dioxide in the atmosphere is they've made cement. Um, and they've, they've, uh, they've made amounts of it that are uh, that there's no customer for it. So I mentioned that one ton a day plant uh, in in Canada that's taking one ton of carbon dioxide a day uh, and and turning it into fuel. Well, if you if you calculate the the amount of fuel that is is about uh, let's say it's a hundred gallons or so of fuel. I mean that's 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 irrelevant uh, from a from a fuel standpoint. I mean, you're not going to, you're not going to be able to sell to Exxon. That's not a mine yet of that scale. But what we look at is we say, well, that's a mine of a smaller scale. That's a mine that makes a ton of material a day. And what type of markets can we go and find that are able to, to make real use of a ton of material that's captured from the air? Uh, I think diamonds is extremely, is a, is a salient example of that because diamonds sell for, you know, roughly a billion dollars a ton. I mean that's that's the type of number that you don't hear in the in the climate the the, the normal climate conversation. It's about thousand dollars a ton for carbon or a hundred dollars a ton for carbon. Mm -hmm. Let's just blow it out of the water. Let's go talk. You want to talk tons? You know what does an iPhone cost per ton? I mean we just the, per ton is it's it's a later stage market, and so we're looking at how do we find these niche markets, whether they're home goods or jewelry uh, or furniture. Mm -hmm. uh, where can we find these early stage markets and and learn about be, be, be customer focused because a lot of this, you know, the, the great work that's happened has been very science focused and technology focused, which is, which is incredible. And it's led to incredible achievements. And, and the opening that that has created now is to go after customers and understand who wants to buy carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. What does a customer look like for that? Where are the, where are the first thousand customers and 10,000 million and billion customers for carbon dioxide from the atmosphere, because that's the scale that we need to achieve. And so let's get started. Yeah, one of the things that I think about is, um, you know, humans are really bad at dealing with their waste. We've proved over the last 150 years, um, but we're really good at buying things. <laughs> mm. So it's connecting mm. those dots. If we need you to take some of the waste and then buy it and put it in your house as a beautiful planter, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, this is a great win-win for everyone involved. And and to um, to kind of educate some of our listeners, uh, what are some other things that can be made out of carbon that you can maybe just list off really quick? Well, so um, <laughs> for those of us who have not taken um, any chemistry classes, or if we did take them, they didn't really resonate with us. Um, uh, Carbon is the building block of life, and you can from your entire life consists of it, it would not be able to exist without carbon based molecules. And um, 
in fact, fossil fuel, uh, they're hydrocarbons. Um, we, are, we are burning very old compost, um, which is uh, living, which is, which is living matter that has decomposed over millions of years and we burn it and um, it burns really hot and for a long time and um, that's, how we get a, that's how we get around and that's where plastics come from. Plastics are made from uh, petroleum, um, which is a ca carbon. Um, so plastics, if you are familiar with those decomposable uh, plastic, whether it's your bags or your forks or whatever, um, it's, it's carbon. If you're, um, let's say you're using paper, paper plates and paper bowls, well, those come from trees and trees are carbon. Um, they breathe the CO2 that's in the air and they store the carbon in themselves and they release the oxygen, which we breathe. And then we release the, we exhale the CO2. So it's, it, it's everywhere. And um, it's interesting. Um, startups, uh, you know, are always thinking we're, we're oriented towards disruption. What market are we disrupting? And um, somehow we've found ourselves disrupting the carbon dioxide market. Um, <laughs> it exists already, and I think that's one that's one um, missing link that we are that we are linking um, in the traditional carbon. Um, um, I guess uh, greenhouse gas activist groups is that, and global warming activist groups is is that there's already a market for carbon dioxide. Um, it exists, um, and there are large companies that are working in it, and we're making that bridge between that carbon dioxide and what's in the air. And there, there's one trillion tons of it in the air, uh, or 280 billion tons of carbon. If you take out the oxygen, it's a big number. It's essentially infinite, and um, that's the that's the key, and that's the difference, and that's where our confidence comes from. Amazing. Um, so, you are you still holding the calls um, where people can just join for free and talk to you more about future of climate change and all of these ideas? Yep. Can you tell us how, how to join one of those? Yeah, we are having one. Um, so there are, there are a couple ways. So we, we host them as part of the um, Climate Change Plus Tech Meetup Group. It's a virtual meetup. It's a conference call. Um, it's uh, Climate Change Plus, the, the symbol plus tech on meetup. Meetup.com. Um, Meetup.com. Mm -hmm. um, they're every two weeks. Um, we call it the Climate Action Green Room. It's uh, the idea is that it's like a green room and a performing uh, performance venue where the artists go, the performers go before and after their, their performance and they hang out with friends and family and fans. That's, this is a green room for, for you um, climate celebrities um, of all shapes and sizes and um, whether you have one fan or a million fans, uh, you're welcome. And we, we're having one tonight. Um, so, you know, by the time that people are listening, it will be in the past. So <laughs> head over to the meetup page and you, and you can find us. Yeah. yeah and, and I've been, I've been attending those when I can, I'll try to attend, uh, tonight. Um, and I love the fact that 
um, there's just one prompt and you kind of go around and you ask those who join the call, what does climate mean to you right now? What does climate mean to you in July, 2018? Mm -hmm. And so to kind of turn the, the, the microphone around to, to you, Matthew and Tito, maybe you can uh, give us your answer. What does climate mean to you right now? Tito. Yeah, in this moment, climate change is, uh, I mean, it, 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 it's an economic, financial, business opportunity. And in this, you know, in this day, it feels beyond an opportunity. It feels like it's something that we're, uh, for the past month, we've, we've really been, been achieving it. Um, it's, it's becoming a reality, holding a, holding a product like a planter or, or imagining a, a diamond made from, from carbon from the air. Uh, that seems, that that seems here. That seems this is right now, and and starting to wonder. Well, if this is what's right now, then what could possibly the future hold? That's what climate change is uh, is for me today. Which is the key of the question? Is what is it today? July July twelfth, right? We and we we were just talking um, uh, yesterday uh, about the. The um, <laughs> the story of the the soccer the Thai soccer team that was trapped in the cave um, for three weeks and um, and Tito was you you were reading an an article uh, that was saying the the reason that this cave flooded is because of sea level rise. It was a headline from the New York Times. They had a, um, a, a newsletter that just said, are Thailand's floods related to climate change? And, you know, they go through, well, maybe it is, maybe it's maybe not. It you know, climate change science stuff is like, okay, it's hard to tell about very near-term things. But just the yeah. question, I think, was, right. was interesting. Right. right. Because it's such a prominent, um, prominent example of like, wow, this is, you know, the world is uh, just these, these, these kids, kids are trapped underground. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to connect that to, to the climate. was an, just an interesting thought. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so the, the way that I think about, um, about it and why we're asking the same question um, as if it changes day by day is because it does, uh, does change day by day and both in a sense of what we're feeling and experiencing in terms of um, the temperature, uh, the weather patterns, um, as well as in terms of what we're the, the stories that we're reading that um, are coming to these conclusions, or at least the, the conclusions are coming up and um, it's, it's not part of a, a global conspiracy. Um, this is, these are real, um, real things that are happening and uh, folks sense of, of safety is, is changing. It's being shattered um, for, for many people and, uh, what that means is is we're growing in new ways, and there's new types of um, skin that's being shed. And um, everywhere I go, I see people who are who are working on it or or talking about it. Um, I started handing out uh, my new business card is has seeds in it, um, and so I'm thinking about how do I become an, an expert in plant? How do a kid from the city become, you know, becomes an expert in, in soil and, and germinating seeds and um, pulling carbon from the sky down into the, down into the ground because it'll make you a better person, um, you know, in your family. And that's 
during the drought, that's where your food's going to come from. And when the electrical grid shuts down, that's where your power is going to come from. Um, and when you're sick, that's where your medicine's going to come from. Um, every day I'm, I'm having those conversations with people and, and, um, it's, it's a, it's a really wonderful future. I, I, and that's, that's what we're, that's what we're building. Um, and that, that's what's happening in the bloom room. When you go through the doom and gloom, the doom and gloom room, you end up in the bloom room and that's, that's where we, that's where we are. Um, so that's, that's today. And we're, I'm excited for the rest of the year. I'm uh, excited for our work on, on the air mine to, create these objects that can be in the back of people's uh, Instagram photos so that um, people can create hashtags about them and um, take them from being some boring scientific fossil fuel industry thing into something that's actually relevant and cool and um, worth gossiping about. And, um, cool. Well said. That sounds yeah. great. Thanks. <laughs> Brilliant. I want to hang out in the bloom room with you all. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So yeah, um, anyone who's listening who's inspired by the fresh attitude that Tito and Matt bring to this stuff, um, come out to their twice monthly calls at meetup.com, climate, climate plus tech. Climate change. Climate change plus tech. Mm -hmm. And sign up for those and hang out and, Join the Bloom Room. <laughs> yeah, we can put the, the links underneath the, in, the, in the show notes as well, yeah. all the links you guys are mm -hmm. taking part in. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Awesome. No further questions, Your Honor. <laughs> and our website to impossiblelabs.io and airminers.org. Check us out. Um, we, we love doing this, whether you're at a university or you're, um, you are not, <laughs> you're in um, primary school, or you're, in a, you're, you're working at a big company, and you're, you're saying, oh my God, what am I doing? I have access to all of this power. What do I do with it? Call us. We'll be here. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's I, I, I love what you guys are doing. I uh, love your attitude. Um, you know, I keep going, going back to what I said earlier about, you know, how do you make it to where an air miners tables at a student yeah. job fair in middle school, mm -hmm. you know, like my future, you know, kid or kids, you know, yeah. and they grow up and instead of them wanting to be a fireman, do they, can they be an air miner? Mm -hmm. You know, I just think that's such a cool image mm -hmm. and that we can create a world where, you know, these new technologies are creating new jobs that are just only, only going to be um, creating better societies around, around the globe. Um, so, yeah, keep doing the work that you're doing, gentlemen. It's been fun to uh, to get to know you more on a, on a, on so many different levels. And um, yeah, keep it up. Thank you. Yeah, thank you both. Wonderful talking to you. All right, talk to you later. <laughs>